go behind the page on Ms. Marvel, we need to start with someone called Sana Amana, who is a Pakistani-American uh, comic book editor born and raised in Jersey City. Mm. Um, Amanat didn't grow up reading um, superhero comics and stuff. Um, she began her career in magazine publishing um, and then found herself working for the short-lived Virgin Comics. Richard Branson had a comic book division at one point. Of course he did. Published uh, stories by people like Deepak Chopra, Garth Ennis, Guy Ritchie, Jenna Jameson, and, of course, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> um, <clears throat> she, um, she uh, Aminat spoke, there's a great article on Aminat done by uh, Vox, um, the website, and they talked to her about how... At the time she broke into the comic book industry, it was a lot less welcoming than it is now. Mm. And that's, I think there's probably a big caveat on it being welcoming now, especially for uh, female comic book editors, especially for younger female comic book editors, especially for uh, younger female comic book editors that aren't, I imagine, white. But I also think, I think sex, gender, sorry, plays a... A, quite a large role in 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 the the way it wasn't welcoming. Amanat said um, that it, she was faced with things like, "Oh, you didn't grow up reading comics like we did. Mm. Um, what do you actually know? Like, how do you know how to make a comic and 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 things like that." Um, Vox wrote quite nicely, of quite eloquently about it at the time. Um, this kind of gatekeeping doesn't start in ivory comic book making towers. Mm. It actually starts at local comic book shops. Men, especially straight white ones who read comic <laughs> books, enjoy building exclusivity around the things they love. Mm. They believe only true fans know trivia like Captain America's birthday <laughs> or the full origin of Bova, a sentient cow turned midwife who lives on a mountain called Wondergore. Women often become targets of these nerdy pissing matches yeah. because their love of comic books is seen as more facile or shallow. I hope that this podcast is the antidote to that. I really hope that we are... I hope that our credo and our mantra is all about dispelling gatekeeping, um, which is why I, I think we kind of open the doors. And, and I, I, that's why... So much of our focus sometimes is it's on the important reasons of why comics matter and why they're cool, because an awful lot of the time people tell you comics don't matter, mm. and I think they do. But I also think it's important to go, like how Vox wrote that article, how mm. is a sentient talking cow something to be superior about <laughs> how these are a lot of these are insane characters and ridiculous stories and you know it's it's a weird thing to get superior about i think the ridiculousness of marvel helps dispel any um any stuffiness about it i would hope mm. um Aminat said that when she was growing up she she couldn't find anything on TV or in movies that she felt represented her. Everywhere I looked, particularly in the media and pop culture, there were versions of people that looked nothing like me. Mm. What happens is when you see that, you think that you're really not worthy enough, mm. or you're not good enough, or you're not normal. 
When she finally did discover comic books later in life, she was struck by the diversity in the the X-Men, the 1970s and beyond X-Men, with like Storm and Rogue, um, Nightcrawler to a degree, Professor X. She felt like Marvel Comics were offering a kind of representation to people who couldn't find it elsewhere. Um Aminat eventually got a job working for Marvel Comics. She's part of that creative team in 2012, along with Kelly Sudaconic, who took Carol Danvers from a bit player and leveled her up. Carol Danvers was known as Ms. Marvel. Um, we will get to the Carol Danvers story when we get to the Captain Marvel movie. Excellent. Um, but she was Ms. Marvel from the 70s on through to 2012, mm. when she was leveled up and given the... The mantle of Captain Marvel. It sounds like Gandalf when he comes becomes Gandalf the White. Ah, that's when <clears throat> she not only took that new name, but she got a new costume, which is reflected in the movie. She becomes a major hero on the Avengers. All the things that we'd later see reflected in the MCU start in that 2012 series, uh, which Amanat was editor on. Um, in 2014. Uh, Aminat has a conversation with another Marvel editor called Steve Wacker. Um, I was telling him some crazy anecdote about my childhood growing up as a Muslim American. He found it hilarious. Wacker basically kind of pushed Aminat to develop her childhood stories into a character. The project that would eventually become Ms. Marvel needed needed a writer needed someone who could not only write brilliant exciting comic book stories superhero stories but also understood the the, the perspective that was being attempted that of a muslim american mm. um g willow wilson um was a writer that was also born and raised in new jersey um although raised by two atheist parents wilson studied a number of religions while at college before converting to islam when she was working in cairo um, Wilson, she'd found success uh, with both prose novels and also graphic novels. Um, she heard, she actually write a, a, a it's called um, is it magical realism or realistic? Yeah, magical mm. realism. She'd written a, a magical realism book called Cairo, um, graphic novel, which is really interesting. Okay, and there is spirits and wizards and magic, Ooh. but it's modern day Cairo. Ooh, nice. um, she'd also. Um, written Superman and Wonder Woman stories for DC Comics. Um, <clears throat> with with Wilson and Aminat kind of working together, the character of Kamala Khan grew and was essentially born out of both their um, shared experiences and, and, uh, and mainly Aminat, though. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's not very often that you have an editor so intrinsically involved in the creation of a character. It's normally the writer and the artist. Yeah, yeah. But not the case with this. Aminat said that the series um, came from a desire to explore the Muslim-American diaspora from an authentic perspective. What it's like to be a Muslim in America. A Muslim-American in America. A first generation, a second generation. Um, artist uh, Jamie McKelvey uh, was brought in to design... The costume. This happens sometimes because McKelvey didn't work on the series, but they brought McKelvey in to go right. We need mm. you need you to design the look of this new character, and he based Khan's costume design um, on on an old Carol Danvers 
costume. Right. Um, when she was Ms. Marvel, like her second Ms. Marvel costume. Um, and Amanat requested the design reflects the Captain Marvel legacy and also the story and background of Captain Marvel, but that it has a different bent on it. Mm. I mean, that said that the, the, uh, the, the costume was uh, influenced, influenced by, I'm going to try and get this right, the chalwar chemise, which is the traditional um, trouser dress combination that you might see people wear, mm. um, worn by quite a lot of Muslim men and women in all different parts of the world where there is a... Uh, Trousers and a dress component. Um, ah, yes. And if, you yeah. th- if you see what Kamala Khan looks like, Ms. Marvel looks like, they wanted the costume to represent Kamala's cultural identity, mm. but did not want her to wear a hajib because um, they believe that the majority of teenage Pakistani American girls do not wear one, so it wouldn't quite fit the character. Yeah. Like, Aminat has also stated, and I feel this is really important, that she wanted Kamala to look less like a sex siren in order oh, to appeal okay. to more vocal female readership. Mm. And I can't stress mm. how important this is. Time and time again, when I've spoke to female friends about comic books, superhero comics, the major roadblock they have to even giving comic books a chance is the physical depiction of women in superhero comics. The... The hyper-masculine, over-the-top presentation of men in tight costumes, that doesn't seem to put off young male readers. Mm. But our culture is, is, is coded differently when, we, when it comes to like presentation and consumption of the female form. Mm. The male gaze, the female gaze, what constitutes which. Yeah. And the over-the-top way that women are drawn in majority of superhero comics reads as pure sexualization. Mm. And that is massively off-putting to any female friend I've ever spoken to about it before they even get to the story. Amanat Wilson and McKelvey made sure that that isn't going to be a factor with the Ms. Marvel character. Modesty was an important part, an important choice. Like, And it's written into the comic as well. Modesty mm. is part of her decision-making process when she's picking out what to wear. Her initial costume is adapted from a burkini that she had. Um, <clears throat> and that... So it's the intent on both sides of that. Yeah. And how you're just removing this huge roadblock to getting young female readers to read the comic which is going to be the audience and and that's the target of that audience if if you go the sex siren route because that's how you know it's always been done or how an awful lot mm. of female characters are drawn in in comics you're not going to you, you just man what is it that, Gail Simone has written an awful lot about this we talked about Gail Simone when we were talking about women in refrigerators oh yes and, and and how they were treated, but if you if you like, you will drive female readers away if you don't give them cool, interesting things to do. Yes, and if you don't stop drawing them in a certain way. <coughs> Excuse me. Ms. Marvel was launched um, in in two thousand and fourteen as part of Marvel trying to rectify a problem that it had. Mm. We've had a quote on this show I think during we talked about it during the Black Lives Matter protests yeah. when that was a big 
when that was um, really in the public consciousness. Stanley had this quote about how when they were getting criticism for introducing non-white characters, they Stan wrote in his soapbox editorial, Marvel's about trying to reflect the world outside the window. Right? In a way that DC Comics was not doing, mm. and was historically quite bad at, um, although it changed in the Bronze Age. But if that's the case, if Marvel is meant to reflect the world outside the window, then it was really failing to do that. Um, Marvel, Ms. Marvel is part of this era of Marvel trying to make moves and changes to be more reflective of the readership and of the world the readers experience. Steve Rogers retires as Captain America and is replaced by Sam Wilson. Jane Foster is deemed worthy of Mjolnir and becomes a new Thor. Miss mm. Marvel is launched. Um, Carol Danvers is like like be, becomes Captain Marvel, but is also she's positioned as like a major Avengers hero, which she hadn't been before. She's be positioned as of equal standing to Iron Man and pretty much Tony Stark's opposite number. Uh-huh. Iceman, one of the original X-Men, comes out as a gay man. Um, Now, maybe the decision to make these creative changes wasn't arrived at organically. Maybe Mm. the decision, the multiple decisions, were part of a corporate boardroom trying to make sure the company stayed relevant and, and, and had the widest appeal. I don't care. Because creatively, these decisions were all smash hits and gave us brilliant and thrilling stories. Um, so, representation is, and diversity is important, but mm. so are cool, awesome stories. And they they achieve both these things. Um, and Ms. Marvel, just one second, I've got... Uh, it's my, my throat is closing up on me. Hold on, guys. He's done a lot I'll of talking. Right back. He's done a lot of talking. He deserves this. Ms. Marvel is not just... A success. She is one of the biggest successes of recent times. One of the most important Marvel characters they have ever created. The the monthly comic buying audience these days is really quite small. Yeah. Um, most single issue comics only average around three thousand to five thousand copies per printing. Per printing, that's across the board, DC and Marvel, mm. 3,000 to 5,000. Anticipation and demand for Ms. Marvel was really high before the comic came out. Marvel knew they had to print a lot more than 5,000, so Ms. Marvel issue one had a print run of 50,000 issues, 50,000 copies, sorry, of the same issue, and sold out completely. Whew. Marvel had to order a second print run of the issue, and then a third. Bloody hell. They kept selling out. A fourth sold out. A fifth sold out. (laughs) By the end of the year, by the end of 2014, Hmm. Ms. Marvel issue one had received, had had to go through seven print runs. Oh, that is amazing. Seven. All of them selling out. That is a, that is a huge milestone in in any era of selling in any decade of selling comics but in the modern comics seven runs is unheard of it is unparalleled success at this stage for a new character 
like um and it wasn't just it wasn't just the 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 the, the single issues so it sold this huge number of, of physical copies of issue one marvel also announced it was the uh, Ms. Marvel issue one is the number was the number one seller of digital copies on their website and app, a trend that continued as the series progressed. It was always top, top, top seller. And Ms. Marvel was also a huge seller of trade paperback collections. Some people might call them graphic novels, not us here. But the trade paperback <laughs> collections that you'll find in a bookshop, you go to like the comic book section of your bookshop and you've got these these um paperback collections of like five four or five or six issues um and they tend to have a bigger audience because a bookshop is much more mainstream than a comic book shop mm. they tend to be more on hard on, on on high streets and things like that buying from you know uh, whatever it might be i i, I just realized if i said if i if i give the name of waterstones we alienate more than half our audience but You've got your online sales and you've got your traditional bookshops. Ms. Marvel was a huge seller of those paperback collections. Within a couple of years, the first all Ms. Marvel collections, she sold more than 500,000 copies of, um, of the trade paperbacks. A truly insane number, especially for a character that did not exist before, that has no movie and no TV show and has <laughs> no history to draw upon. <coughs> excuse me that's alright like how was this ha I'm not actually expecting a response when I say excuse me that's it's okay. just a polite thing to say well yeah. I don't need a response then either okay how god damn it how how is this happening it is very very clear that the only answer is new readers this is why Kamala Khan is so important to Marvel the comic book was attracting brand new readers. Ah, something there we go. that comic book companies have failed to do for decades. Something that Marvel have failed to do, even with their characters being in smash hit movies. Miss Marvel didn't just break barriers, she towed, she smashed them. And it was joyful to see. And she started to have this wider cultural impact. In January 2015, in San Francisco, there, there was this disgusting... I won't even say their real name, because F them. Ooh. This disgusting anti-Muslim hate group masquerading as a political outfit or whatever. Uh. They were somehow able to buy adverts on city-owned buses and bus stops in San Francisco. That their, their adverts equated Islam with Nazis. Oh, Disgusting sake. thing to be able to... I cannot understand how it was legally allowed to do. NBC News reports that some glorious people or persons defaced every single goddamn one of these anti-Muslim adverts with images of Ms. Marvel. Oh, Kamala Khan. Wow. Kamala Khan graffitied on them with things that read... Stamp out racism. Free speech isn't a license to spread hate. Yes. And Islamophobia hurts us all. A groundswell. The year after. The, barely a year after she is introduced. And she's uh, part of this very interesting kind of cultural moment. In 2016, the, the, the White House had this celebration of Women's History Month. President Obama praises Ms. Marvel. Kamala Khan is a character. Um, Sana Amina is there and he praises her as well. And then 2018, 
she makes it into the dictionary. In March of 2018, Webster's Dictionary added the word embiggen. Now, wait. Yeah. And it says, Ambigan, which first appeared in the lexicon in a 1996 episode of The Simpsons, was popularized in the pages of Ms. Marvel as an exclamation Kamala Khan makes when using her shape-changing powers. It's a perfectly cromulent phrase. Kamala Khan is Marvel. Yeah. She is the new Peter Parker, the modern-day Spider-Man. She is relatable to anyone that had awkward teenage phase, who didn't quite fit in, had, had, had a family who didn't quite get them and understand them and had different ideas for them. Mm. She's relatable to anyone who struggled to do the right thing. Kamala Khan smashed down barriers, introduced a whole new audience to Marvel... And you will struggle to find a single character, a single other Marvel character, as important as Ms. Marvel. Thanks for joining us as we revisit some of our favourite moments from Marvel vs. Marvel. Don't forget our full-length episodes are jam-packed with hours of Marvel trivia, behind-the-page, behind-the-scenes, and comic book Marvel history.